This show, this show fucking sucks. I like, I just, I like, I'm sucking. The audience sucks more than anything. It's their fault. I, I gotta fucking, go. I gotta go. I have to go. I can't do it. I just like, just get someone else. Get someone else. Okay. I mean, we're we're about to record. Who do you have? In I'm, mind? I'm I'm already going. I'm 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 going. <laughs> Bye. No, no, Felix, we need you. I mean, it's gonna be tough to do the show without without Felix, but I think we'll get by. Yeah, I guess so. We'll make do. Somebody say make do. <laughs> Who's this? Wait, who's this? It's Uncle Lou again. Oh, it's oh, Lou, hey, oh, Lou wow. Perlsman. It's our friend Lou Perlsman. He's back again. Lou, how's it going? Oh, you know, odds and ends. I put a few things in the bowl, and they always seem to leave when my grandkids come by. Uh, Lou, you, do you have some? Uh, you have some more fashion thoughts to share with us? Yeah, I have a little bit of a news peg for you guys. Probably not the first time you're getting pegged for this job. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Oh man, I know it's always, it's always a, always a joy to have Lou on. You know the barbs they fly fast and furious. But Lou, uh, speak on it. What do you what do you what do you got for us? This is from my nephew. He's uh, the head of Lennox Hill DSA. He's upset about this Kristen Cinema woman. So uh, I thought I, I thought I'd help him out a bit because you know it's my second favorite kid sister's kid. So we're gonna let it rip on the Cinetrix from Arizona. Nice leather dress you were wearing when you got sworn in, honey. Go back to when the Matrix first came out, and maybe you could fit into one of those. Ooh. <laughs> Never liked that meat is murder business, but now I feel I have to call Morrissey for the first time since 95. Maybe it's points. <laughs> people, people are unhappy. People do not like this Christian cinema. They're very angry at they're her. Ma- they're fed up with her. They're mad about, you know, when she wore the, she did the thumbs down, and she was wearing a gray turtleneck and a box split skirt. Sweetheart, I'm sure they love this in Tucson, but you look like a Duke adjunct going to a department head's funeral. (laughs) Annihilated. Yeah, destroyed. Her look here screams that you keep trying to get the bigwigs to leave their wives, but the second they see you, they want to shtuck their spouses for the first time since Clinton. Oh, man, I would not like to be Kristen Cinema right about now. That's a a thumbs down from Lou Perlsman on Kristen Cinema's whole whole aesthetic. I, I wouldn't want to either. When she's wearing that white dress and cape number she wore to the impeachment, she looks like a superhero. Her only problem is her, her power is she makes all the men disappear. <laughs> I tell her to get on her invisible plane, but no one needs to see that. You look like you're attending a Montessori funeral. Oh, man. Can we get, can we get Felix back for the rest of the show? I'm, I'm back. I'm back. I, okay, all right. So I, I, did, um, I did a form of LSD that they sell at gas stations, <laughs> and I feel, I feel good again. I feel I feel Kristen right. Did Cinema, anything happen? She's been conclusively annihilated. What did she get like me too or something? She was compromised to a permanent end by Lou Proltzman. Oh no. Even she doesn't deserve that. <laughs> We're off, we're off to the races on another 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 edition of the show. Um, what's been going on, gentlemen? What's been up? It's a uh, it's a it's a day after St. Patrick's Day. Did we all take part in the wear and know the green yesterday? I didn't say a single honest thing yesterday, sort of in <laughs> honor of the spirit of the holiday, or at least some people who celebrate it. Uh, it's a trick question because um, actually the only Irish related holiday that I recognize is Bloomsday. 
St. Patrick's Day is a pale imitation of the only real, true Irish holiday. What's Bloomsday? It's it's it was a comic strip in the nineties with like a penguin, and <laughs> <laughs> it's when you're supposed to walk around Dublin like uh, Leo Bloom did in uh, fucking Ulysses. It's 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 like going on the Lord of the Rings uh, tour of New Zealand, only oh. even less cool somehow. I don't know. They're about the same book. Right, like it's it's just about a bunch of like guys who like their culture didn't get shoes until like nineteen ninety seven. Walking around and then it's like, Oh, it's time for a third third breakfast. <laughs> yeah, so uh, and yeah, as long as you eat as long as you eat kidneys there. for breakfast, then you're um you're you're celebrating Bloom's Day and then you can uh cap you can go to a beach and watch some girls and jack off looking at them. There's another fun, fun, fun activities you can do on Bloomsday. Yeah, well, that's the problem is like men need to stop. Like you're missing the point of Ulysses when you like so many idolize the protagonist. Yeah, exactly. That's dangerous. Don't do that. Don't be yeah. like Bloom. Yeah. Well, I got to say, though, but uh, St. Patrick's Day and Irish American pride in general has taken on, uh, uh, I would say, you know, like a, a, and some added gravity this year because, you know, for the first time in a long time, we have an Irishman in the White House. And I don't just mean because he's um, a rapidly aging and forgotten about old man just sort of doddering about the White House like it's a retirement home when no one wants to talk to him. No, I mean it because Joe Biden is at least one sixteenth Irish American. And, you know, he, it's, it's a fact he likes to play up, you know, because it's the Irish part of him makes him lie. So he's so lying about being Irish. If you're only part Irish is, you know, it's part of the Irish tradition. It literally is American. That is what Amer- Irish American his, uh, heritage is, is lying about being Irish. Yeah, Which makes it the greatest tribute possible to those people. Yeah, it's like it, you know, it's like one of those games where you have to lose to the first boss to keep going. To become Irish, you have to like not really be that Irish to be fully <laughs> Irish to complete yep. the lie. Yeah, you have to get it nice and uh, uh, adulterated with all the other stuff of uh, like uh, suburban American, like European runoff, and then you get to look around at that dog's breakfast of nothing at a fucking TGI Fridays and decide uh, the Ireland, that's the one. So, that's the thing I'm going to yeah. pretend I am. So I'd say that like out of like going back since Carter, it's just like varying degrees of Irish heritage, anywhere from like, you know, a one grandparent to like, you know, Ronald Reagan's like, would like, he's like half Irish or something. Yeah. He is Irish. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's like, they fucked a lot is my point. Yeah, they really reproduced over here. Um, and Donald Trump was Donald Trump's like Scottish or some bullshit. I don't know, or like Kraut. He's uh, Scottish and German. Yeah, so he's like the only one who isn't really Irish. Yeah, that's true. That, yeah, that's true. But Joe Biden think, like has. I think this Barack theory. Obama had a certain amount of Irish. Marv Sacco Crumbo no, is, Sack, is is, is yeah. very Irish. Yeah, no, he had a lot of Irish heritage, but. Yeah. Um, Joe Biden like has the spirit of it more than any. Yeah, of these guys. He, yeah, he definitely does, and and also he's he's Catholic too. So like that's another yeah. that's another big part of that's the real. You're here. not yeah. really American. You're not really yeah. Irish unless you're Catholic. Honestly, come on. Yeah, if Let's you're get real here, when you when I see an Irish guy who's like a Presbyterian or some shit, it's like, come on, man. Well, figure I mean, that's, it out. That's that's what Joe Biden would say. Like, pretend to be English then, if that's your deal. Yeah, if you're gonna be pretend to be Irish. You have to also pretend to be Catholic. Sorry, that's the rule. And that's well, the main thing. That's the main thing we're trying to, you know, bring home is that Welsh people, Scottish people, Irish people—they're all English. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're all a type of English. Yeah. And it's no, just that's... about which one they pick to pretend to, to uh, pretend exists. That's why it's called England. Uh, we, will, we, will be touring Bel- we will be touring Belfast, Derry, Dublin, <laughs> County Cork. As soon as this fucking pandemic is over, we're coming back. We're coming back. I, we're going yeah. to try out this new material on the Provo, see how it goes over. Well, I, my, you know, my thing is I'm trying to be the first guy to get banned from those countries for hate speech, like <laughs> this type of hate speech in like, you know, however many years. I could do it in a, in like other ways, but like this is like the real hard achievement. Oh yeah, this is this is the top the top difficulty setting in a thing I have no stakes in. Like <laughs> yeah, I'm not even distantly related to anyone who's Irish or or English or any of that. That's because that all you, have a, you are objective and you're yeah, able to look exactly. at it through with an anthropologist's eye through a jeweler's loop and go, yeah, these are all English people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, uh, President Biden might uh, disagree with you. Uh, and just courtesy of St. Patrick's Day, we do have a, a new article in the Washington Post headline, Irish humor, Irish temper, how Biden's identity shapes his political image. And uh, there's some, some, some pretty choice nuggets in here. Uh, it says it's by Matt Visor. It begins, it says, he admits he can have an Irish temper. If he gets heated, he may explain that his Irish is up. When he displays affection, it's Irish warmth. A wry joke, it's Irish humor. If he's feeling down, it's a black Irish move. And, you know, this this does this does speak to Biden's authentic Irish Irish culture and identity, because just claiming being happy, sad, garrulous or angry as Irish qualities is is, is, you know, it's it's part it's part of the packet. You know, it's like I'm not just I'm not just I'm not just funny. I'm I've got Irish humor. I've got an Irish wit. It's like uh, sci-fi movies where they try to show you that it's the future by calling everything with space in front of the noun. Yeah. <laughs> you just put Irish in front of anything and you're an Irish person instead of just another stupid American squarehead like we all are. Joe, like, said, you're American. We're all American. It is a, if you're white in America and you don't have any like living relatives who don't speak English, you're just a fucking American and it means nothing. It means you have none of that stuff. And you can just pretend, and that's what he, they're all doing. They're just pretending so hard. It goes on, it says, oh, and, and he's not just Catholic, he's Irish Catholic. Oh, my God. <laughs> Joe Biden is many things, but there aren't many things he is more of than Irish. On St. Patrick's Day, <laughs> the- <laughs> I mean, probably German, honestly. Pro- he's an American. It's probably German. <laughs> he's probably like 85 percent German. <laughs> like yeah. Most Americans. The German. The Germans are like the main ingredient in the the cake of American uh, uh, whiteness. They're yeah. like the fucking they're the white flour. Well, that, that's everything the, else yeah. is just in there. Yeah, that's like the Irish fucked a lot, but the Germans reproduce through eggs so they can do like a thousand per woman. <laughs> There's no beating them in American heritage. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you have a certain folksy uh, a charm or a bit, a bit of a, you know, you can't say that it's 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 German warmth coming through because you know that's a quality not yeah, associated yeah. with them. But the that's Irish, something a lot of people uh, felt in in history. <laughs> the Irish, the ninth uh, episode of Band of Brothers, <laughs> German warmth. The Irish, though, everyone loves the Irish, and that's why everyone wants to be Irish, including uh, Joe Biden. Because they're because the, you know why everyone wants to be Irish because they're the one European uh, country that got colonized. Yeah, so that you can be. Yeah. so they're so, but, no, so they're no somewhat there. so they're somewhat sympathetic, and you can feel no guilt. Like Italians are kind of like that because yeah, but you like, know, okay, Ethiopia. they were in World War Two, but I mean, like, come on, Re- compared to the rest of Europe, it's not really a contest. Uh, so that's why Irish. Yes, that's the one. If you you can't pe- pull the uh, other uh, Italian off, uh, yes, 
because they're they're the they're the whites who got owned. Yeah, and that's like you know that's just a thing of time that like if Dennis Leary had been born in 1995, he would be doing like decolonial poetry type stuff <laughs> instead of what he did, which is incredibly important work. Yeah, bring back coffee flavored coffee. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say that the work he already produced is decolon- decolonial poetry of a kind. You know, he's trying to decolonize coffee. He's trying to stop yeah. Americans from taking Italian culture and lattes and cappuccinos. No, we want our coffee flavored coffee. We don't want to steal from other cultures. We just want to have our American single flavor of coffee that is black coffee that tastes like coffee. And we don't need to we don't need to t- take chai from from other people's. Yeah, and he, you know, he showed like, you know, the communities that BIPOC immigrants create in uh, Rescue Me. And BIPOC, a lot of people get that wrong. They think that stands for Black and Indigenous POC. It actually stands for Boston Irish. It says here, um, on St. Patrick's Day at the White House, it was an Irish festival for one of the nation's most Irish of presidents. The water in the fountain on the North Lawn turned green in the morning, and the White House was set to be lit in the same color in the evening. To start St. Patrick's Day, Biden attended St. Patrick's Church near his home in Wilmington, Wilmington, Delaware, before flying back to Washington with virtual meetings with Ireland's Taysock or Prime Minister Michael Martin. Everything between Ireland and the United States runs deep, Biden says, wearing a green tie and a fistful of shamrocks in his coat pocket. Our joys, our sorrows, our passion, our drive, our unrelenting optimism and hope. I, I, I just, is unrelenting optimism and hope something that's associated with Ireland as an always, people or a always. nation? Yeah, you think? I mean, I can't think of anything uh, more celebratory and hopeful than the New York City draft riots of 1863. I mean, that is, that's, like, what's so funny about all of this, like, the way that Americans process identities is, like, it, it's all of this shit is so general that you can just pretend, like, there are unique traits of anything, but they're just yep. all, like, general human traits. So it's but, like, yeah, if you had, like, one uncle who's optimistic, it's like, oh, yeah, that's my Austrian optimism. But this, but this points to something that uh, Felix has said before about how one, the only real American trait is that psychotic obse- uh, delusional optimism. And so, of course, when looking through the, the, all the traits you could uh, uh, sort of arbitrarily apply to the Irish, you've got to pick optimism and hope because that's the thing that actually makes them American, not Irish. That's, uh, but, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, you know, but th- this article actually makes a very similar point to the one you made, Matt, about how uh, people love the Irish in America because it's like the one uh, white ethnic group that you don't have to feel guilty about belonging to. And uh, this guy goes on to write, this identification with a long oppressed minority enables him, even as a sitting president, to claim common ground with those who feel dismissed for not graduating from an Ivy League school. It lets a man who's made millions pitch himself as middle class Joe. Uh, and then he says here, guys who think because they have a lot more money that they're better than you look down on you. Biden said in the days before the election, I acknowledge I got a I have a chip on my shoulder coming from an Irish Catholic neighborhood where it wasn't viewed as being such a good thing. <laughs> he's got he's still got a chip on his shoulder of growing up as Irish Catholic in Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, like 150 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Like he grew up like dodging Bill the Butcher in the five yeah. points. That's what he's he said. That's what he's implying. He's and it's like it's like you've been like the Duke of Delaware for like sixty years. He's lived among basically almost he has lived his entire life amongst ethnic white Catholics. 
There is no world where he's getting hounded for being an Irishman. That's the only thing he's like the two spaces he's ever lived in are like among other Irish Catholics or like among reptilians. Yeah. And he's equally baffling to both parties. Both <laughs> yes. both groups are like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> whether it's like the whether it's like the cast of Shameless or like David Geffen when he takes his human suit off, they're both like <laughs> they're like they're like Joe, what the fuck is Little Debbie Wednesday? What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, it goes on here. Um, he connects his Irishness to his outlook on immigration as he talks about his ancestors boarding coffin ships in the Irish Sea to escape famine in the 1840s. All of your ancestors, yours and mine, they came equipped with only one thing. The only thing they had in their pocket was hope, he said in September. I don't think people like emaciated skeletons being packed onto literally what they were called coffin ships had much hope in their hearts or pockets when they came to this country. They had a few. Your family would have a funeral for you when you left Ireland to come to America in the 19th century. They did not come here yeah. brimming with American hope. You and probably optimism. were going to shit yourself to death in the hold of the ship on the way over. Or then just immediately die in the Civil War. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get kicked in the head by a fucking like, rampaging horse on a cobbled street that you've never encountered before in your life. We should really, like, it should take, like, ten months to get anywhere again. That was a great period in humanity. I mean, it would be awesome if it was, like, a nice ship. If it was a nice boat and not a coffin ship. I wouldn't mind spending some time in the Atlantic. No, I want it to be one of those things that's made out of, like, everything that human beings are allergic to. I want it to be, like, out of a type (laughs) of metal that makes me my skin bleed. (laughs) He goes here. Uh, He says uh, Biden also reflects on his Irish heritage and his approach to policies he views as discriminatory, discriminatory. America has come a long way in addressing discrimination in the workplace since the days my ancestors faced no Irish need apply signs. That absolutely not never a happened. real thing. That's absolutely no not Irish true. No Irish need apply is that's like totally that's apocryphal. Spit out after yeah. Vietnam. It's all horseshit. <laughs> yes, completely Martin made O'Malley up. Put, Martin O'Malley put one of those signs on his desk. <laughs> If you, it's like you might have had a hard time getting a job in a professional capacity, certainly. But if you wanted to work, your fucking cousin, the fucking bartender, could get his boss, the alderman, to get you a job sweeping a street. It was not a problem. That was the whole deal. Is that they got immediately hooked into a patriarchy network? Machine politics, baby. I think we need. I mean, honestly, Biden took the wrong lesson from the Irish as a Democratic politician with this with this spurious bullshit about how the Irish were, you know, <laughs> the Irish were slaves. Jack, <laughs> we were the first slaves on the American continent. Uh, no, he took the wrong lesson, I and mean, the lesson he shouldn't have took was Tammany Hall and their approach to power well, and fucking gaining actually, it and keeping it. I think it's interesting. So the last two Democratic presidents are uh, Obama and Biden, and both of them sort of come from a context that implies a certain type of politics that was historically contingent and gone. Uh, Like uh, Obama sort of came from, you know, he claimed to be coming from like the black uh, political tradition in Chicago. Right. Uh, And of course he was just empty neoliberalism and uh, Biden appears to come from the the context of that mid-century like machine politics where it might've been socially reactionary, but it got shit done. It built roads. It got people paid. 
Uh, and also, like like Obama, he is in reality just a hollowed out shell of uh, filled with money because all of our forms have been totally uh, hollowed out without us even noticing, and now we're stuck with these fucking mannequins. Yeah, that's that's what I've always found so interesting about Biden is that he's a reskin. He's like a reskin of like yes. Chris Dodd or Mark Warner, but with like. I mean, what you yeah, said, like Tip O'Neill or fucking like James Curley or something. Well, like what you said, Matt, where he's like, you know, his message is like the soothing dying light to America's boomers. I think like he like he's built in a way like how when Arnold comes back in T2, it's like, oh, I took the form of something that's familiar to you. Yeah, right. It's, exactly. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, like, do you remember this type of guy that was like kind of a like dumb asshole? But yep. if you knew him, you could like at least get this like get the this toll bridge unfucked yep. up. And it's yep. like, yeah, I, I actually have never I don't do that. I'm part of like this current model that just is complete, you know, manage management system of a skeleton government and skeleton social welfare thing. This thing's on autopilot. But Hey, don't I remind you of this thing from when you were young? Yep. yep. Yeah, it's just reminding people of a of a time when things worked and getting them to to uh get it regress so that their death feels less scary. It really is hospice for America. Just presenting people, "Hey, remember this thing?" and then let's getting them just be soothed by it so that they can accept the needle when it comes. Yeah, they, and they're like th- this does have like that's kind of what Richard M. Daly was like. Uh, yes richard j daly's yeah exactly yeah the son because he was literally the son of one of those guys one of those sort of like the kings yeah fucking pharaoh the the american pharaoh socially conservative like racist shitty machine politician who like nonetheless engendered some type of loyalty to his vase by you know good or bad getting things done and his son a complete neoliberal manager like sold out sold out you know city parking to morgan stanley for one thing Everything you would see a shitty Democrat do in the 90s and 2000s, but because he was this guy's son and he, you know, made cute malapropisms, he would always call a uh, soldier field soldiers field. And, you know, people like that enough. And it's like, oh, he's he'll ease you into getting fucking Rahm Emanuel, which is just, yeah, that's the lizard without the mask on. And it's and it's, of course, a tragedy of American history that like. So what does uh, the, the younger daily change? Uh, about his his public presentation to appear like he's changing with the times and being progressive is he drops the racism right right right. and then how many people take those things to be connected to each other where politicians the moment that they start caring about anybody other than my community we stop getting looked out for because that's literally how it was how it happened and that's how what it looked like to people right and it right and it's of course like not like it's not like you know, Biden or Daly were literally like that. It was a conscious thing. They're doing this this way where it's like, oh, I don't give a shit about white people anymore. It's I don't give a shit about anyone. And these guys yeah. never have. But now I also like don't have to do anything because I can yeah. just do politics as signaling and this thing's on autopilot. Yeah, <clears throat> there wasn't uh, in this article and in his comments on St. Patrick's Day, there was a classic Biden moment contained in it. Um, uh, we said we said Chris to scour the internet to see if there was a video clip from this, and I swear to God, they either uh, knew that Joe Biden talking about being Irish would just was just too dangerous to be filmed, so they only let the print media cover it, or they've scrubbed it from the internet. But uh, listen, this is this is honestly great- the fact that this thing isn't available. This is the most clear evidence yet that 
and of course, if you needed any, that the media is literally in the tank for Biden trying to prop up this fucking presidency as like the last attempt to build consensus politics as everything dissolves. Because how the hell would you not have this on tape? Everyone has a fucking phone with a goddamn recorder on it. How the hell has nobody have that? Yeah. Well, like we have we have every clip of Trump doing something. Like, yes. The, when I mean, I love that about Trump. Like when we saw him do the snake hiss. <laughs> I bet Biden's doing so much. That was awesome. I bet Biden's doing so much funny stuff that we'll. That's what's so annoying about it. Oh God, it's all getting lost in time, like tears in the rain. Yeah. No, we were. I I did. There was another clip that he did uh, where he's interviewing the uh, the the Prime Minister of Ireland, uh, where he said a bunch of other stuff that is also kind of funny uh, because it's all just him being like, "My great 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 grandfather Ambrose O'Finnegan." He. (laughs) It's it's very. the whole tone is very, we tied an onion to my belt as was the style of the time, but it wasn't this quote. Oh yeah. So like this is, this is, this is the real, this is the money shot here. It says, uh, during an address Wednesday afternoon to Irish Americans, Biden mixed in Irish blessings and old family yarns, meandering into a tale about his aunt Gertie. She did two things better than <laughs> <Aunt> Gertie. <laughs> she did just, yeah, <laughs> Could, you, but why would you even bother? She, she did two things better. She did goes. Uh, she did two things better than anyone else. He said, "One is she was the best back scratcher in the world. <laughs> the best <laughs> back scratcher in the world. That's not a skill that you can be good or bad at. Yeah, unless, unless no your nails you are really fucked that up. finely enough to determine <laughs> world's best." So he goes, yeah, there's two things she did better than anyone else in the world. She was the best back scratcher, and two, <laughs> no offense to the Greeks. But she made the best rice pudding in the world. And it's just like, okay, like this line is like, no offense to the Greeks, but she made the best rice pudding in the world. This is the first time I've ever heard of rice pudding as being associated nope. with Greek people as like a traditional Greek nope. thing. It's apparent. No way. I mean, it's probably because Maybe? Like it's in Greek. Di- I think he associates it with Greek diners. <laughs> and, I, and, and so it, it's probably because like. His brain is dying. He's he's reverting. I mean, he's talking about his aunt Gertie for fuck's sake. <laughs> if you that is because honest. it's like you know you know how we were saying that his presentation is reminding people of a simpler, better time in their lives so that they accede to uh, their body, their, their their social order shutting down. His body is doing that to him and putting him back into a place that is more comforting and loving. Like when Aunt Gertie used to scratch his back and feed him rice pudding. And yes, he probably has a memory of like getting a hand job in a Greek diner in fucking Dover, uh, Delaware, 1956. And he saw like rice pudding on the menu when he came. Well, he saw rice pudding after she got done with the, with the hand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Also. And he well, just I, has wait, this like visceral relationship between the two. And now every time he hears of the Greeks, he thinks of rice pudding. And when he thinks of rice pudding, he thinks of the Greeks. I, I love I love the idea that like he associates anything that's like tangentially related to something a Greek person done with like 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 Greek people as a whole. And I would just love it if like he knew about Stav and he'd be like, uh, no offense to the Greeks, but I used to be a pretty, pretty, pretty fat guy who liked having sex a lot. <laughs> no offense to the Greeks, but I have one of the best bird collections in the world, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, my, my Aunt Gertie, she, she had more parrots than anyone. No offense to the Greeks. <laughs> he spent all her money on the parrots jack we had no money for food or rice pudding that's why we were just scratching us all the time we were hungry that's aunt that's gertie. the struggle <laughs> aunt gertie no aunt gertie goes on. So if you have an aunt gertie you're so fucking old <laughs> yeah no, you're te- you're ancient 
Yeah. Um, but like he goes on here and he continues to connect being Irish with like some sort of relevance to the, the struggles of the modern world. And he goes here. Uh, Biden's remarks are mixed with pride, noting that the White House was designed by an Irishman, architect James Hoban, and suggesting that the Irish know struggles that the world is currently undergoing. We have a chance to reach out, kind of like our ancestors did, to reach out and help each other, he said, to reach out and help people who are in trouble. It's just like, this is just like, this is like every, every, every group of people in the world could say this about their ancestors. You know, it's just, it's just, but whatever, it's his day. It's Irish Day. It's Joe Biden's day, and they're they're covering it up. They're fucking taking it from us. This is his special day mm. where he can have more fun being president than like anyone else, and they're taking it yep. away from it's us. Like he, it's his version of uh, the handsome hamburger party. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, this is. <laughs> he gets to talk to he gave, he gave the Irish Taysock like a virtual tour of the White House. <laughs> Sorry, just he got to talk <laughs> about Irish <laughs> bullshit. With a guy who probably looked to him like a replicon, like a leprechaun. Yeah, he probably saw a little green hat on him, and he saw a little pipe coming out of his (laughs) mouth while he talked to him over Zoom. It's the internet, my God! Of course, this is all just this is all just on a screen in front of him. Do you think like Do you think when Biden like sees people, he sees like the California raisins like (laughs) dancing behind them? Yes, he absolutely does. Yeah. And the Irish Tay-Sack to hear appears to be the Notre Dame fighting Irish. And he hears pipe music in the background the whole day. <laughs> uh, no, I just like <laughs> I'm imagining him he's, he's he's looking at like like on a Zoom screen of like favorite Irish fa- like famous Irish authors and he sees James Joyce and he's like, "I'll tell you what, Jack. I wish I could be the literary agent for that one-eyed fellow there. He sure is handsome." <laughs> But he just like in his head because like <laughs> as he's as his brain is dying, what is he falling back on? His childhood and those memories of specific people, and then the cultural bullshit that he's a cult, he grabbed onto, like Irishness. So he's imagining himself. He's like in his head on St. Patrick's Day. He's in Angela's ashes. <laughs> yeah, he's like running around his grandmother's uh, coat uh, skirt. And like eating a potato with his hand, and he's loving it. Uh, I guess, like, in in fairness to uh, to both sides, actually, I just remembered uh, there, there's another St. Patrick's Day article that I want to share with you. You know, the first one, you know, this is this is celebrating Joe Biden, but the second one, we got to we got to go to the conservative media for their take on St. Patrick's Day. And oh, this, yeah. is, this is a really good one uh, that ran in the Washington Examiner this week. Opinion: Father Joseph O'Callaghan and the Irish in America. And uh, this is this is some this is some uh, some priest who's an Irish guy, and he's going to share share his thoughts on what it means to be Irish in America. He goes. By the way, if you're an Irish, if you're a Catholic, and you're a Republican, you're a Protestant. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, yeah. not all Catholics. It's like a Venn diagram thing. Like, Catholicism has been largely Protestantized in this country, but not entirely. But every Republican Catholic is Protestant. Uh, I'll just note that I, I found this article because the uh, the headline that it was shared on Twitter under was the uh, like you know Father o- O'Callaghan quote the Irish are best when they're serving others and I was just like they're they're trying to make the Irish slaves again they're they're trying to they're trying to put us back in chains um, so this is Father Joseph O'Callaghan he goes uh, the story of the Irish in America is inextricable from two venerable institutions the church they brought with them from the old country. And the fighting services in which so many sons and now daughters of Aaron then bravely served. I think it's like, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're Irish in America, the the, the two institutions that you can really 
really hold up as yours and being part of this positive tapestry of the American experience is the fucking I, there's the Catholic Church and the U.S. military. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> the two institutions that have never harmed anyone. Not a single time. Not once. I mean, like, there's not much here. He just talked about, like, the Second World War produced great literature. I was chaplain on the Franklin as an overlooked gem. A bookish math professor from the College of the Holy Cross, Father Joe, was assigned to. And he just goes on talking about a completely fictional made-up thing that, that doesn't Hey, exist. does he mention the St. Patrick Brigade in that thing at all? No, he does not. Do you know, guys? Do you guys know what that is? No, I don't. No. I would think that a, a literal Catholic priest would want to talk about this. So during the Mexican-American War, there was a brigade made up predominantly of Irish Catholic immigrants who defected to Mexico over anti-Irish and anti-Catholic sentiment in the American military. Well, yeah, they'd be fighting on the side of the Catholic army. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what they did. They, they literally defected and fought the United States. They made a terrible movie with Tom Berenger about it. And then only a couple uh, generations later, one of them became president. Yeah, but like that shows the, that that incident actually speaks to like the, the inherent tensions between a religion like Catholicism and a country like the United States that demands like a civic secular religiosity and you'd think that that'd be something you'd want to talk about but instead he's just like hey remember that time uh the what the made up guys is it, it's not even real incidents yeah no he's just talking about a book he's just talking about a book oh wait no the, the, the book was written by father o'callahan this guy's name is uh kevin carroll and he's just some, okay. he's some he's some army mick that's all but it just at the end here he says irish americans are at their best when serving selflessly as men and women for others. He just wants, he wants some Irish domestic servants to come back. <laughs> he wants Aunt Gertie to be serving tea and shit. Uh, she goes here, um, just, uh, not just when battling, as O'Callaghan did so well for our country and his stricken ship, but anytime they show mercy and care personally for the corporeal and spiritual needs of individuals, humbly and ecumenically. The United States, and this is like the last graph is really insane. He goes here, the United States may be called upon yet again to fight in the far reaches of the Pacific, this time against Chinese communists. We hope not, but if we must, Irish Americans will be there. And in war or peace, O'Callaghan is an example all Americans must emulate. So he'd be like, damn, I, I, just, I, I really hope we don't have to end up fighting China in the Pacific again. But if we do, man, I've got a great idea for what every Irish American can do which is die. <laughs> yeah, in reality, the only, uh, the, only way I, the only thing that's going to make Irish Americans, people who would consider themselves that, fight and die in the Chinese war is if their grandparents got a house after World War II. If they did, then they're not fucking fighting. That's it. And if they do, honestly, they'll probably just be uh, pressing buttons in a, in a, in a uh, cyber war, which honestly would be kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, maybe Irish will take the computer hacking better than anyone. Due to the lying aspect. Yeah, no, it's all about faking credentials, something they're pretty well, you know, pretty well acquainted with. God, I'm just imagining, like, is this guy actually talking about, like, an actual land war with, yeah. like, yeah. mass, mass yeah. combat? No, it's about fighting in the Pacific yeah, between all, China Chinese and the United States. Yeah. Just, if you could imagine the United States doing that, you need to remember the country you live in. You need to like get 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 really acquainted with with what what this place is. No, if you think I, we could I, pull that off, or would ever I, be motivated no, to? We'd rise to the occasion, um, <laughs> like we have everything else. It'll be like okay, so with our standing army now, yeah, maybe some trouble, but like okay, 
maybe um like one of those gimmick Twitter accounts that's all faked, like guys who are down bad and Mr. Beast collab to start the join the U.S. Army challenge. And then we have a hundred million soldiers, like one quarter of all Americans are soldiers. And then uh, we just believe in ourselves and we win. No more, no more bad China. Everything's like Macau now. It's just, it's the biggest MGM grand in the world. The only way we could fill an army to fight uh, the Chinese, like, in a slugfest with with troops is if we got all the very sad zoomers to do it like the like the 21 year olds who listen to all that very sad music yeah they like, could be the go, first go do it get killed yeah. it'll, you'll be fine you'll be the, happier the first american suicide troops i think they i don't know it would be like very like aj soprano suicide well you would <laughs> have to wouldn't try yeah well, I mean, like for this guy Kevin Carroll, if he wants more Irish people in the military, he's got to have he's got to get the priesthood to like issue some sort of like fatwa saying it's okay to kill yourself because you know that's a problem for Catholics. You know, you're not allowed to not allowed to off yourself even if it's war. Yeah, but Catholic, yeah, Catholics. Well, like the best thing that could happen to like a real like actual Catholic, which you know there are a few of in America, but is like. Oh, like I get my genitals blown off in the war and it's like kind of my fault and I get to feel bad about it until I die. That's really what they want. It's like, you know, you know how like um, with Hezbollah, it's like, oh, we're not we're not afraid of death. We've like we've come to like embrace it, like not being afraid. We know like it's it's coming for us just as like more as like a condition of recent history than anything, I feel like. But with the with Catholics, it's like I just want to feel bad. of feeling bad until we die uh this this brings us to our our next topic i hope you enjoyed the I- irish american edition of chapel trap <laughs> yeah. yeah and hopefully hopefully and i mean this in the nicest way possible this made you feel bad <laughs> you should like that if you're authentic this made you feel like shit and you're happy about it well, okay, so the, the thing I want to talk about, like, you know, like I said, feeling bad until we die and the things that seemingly we're never going to get rid of. Um, sorry to bring it up again, but I want to talk about, about superhero movies because I have, I have three articles here that I'd like to uh, take some time to, uh, to go over with you guys. I'm just gonna, not going to read all of them, just, just, just highlights of each. I wanted, to, I wanted to read one of the, uh, this really bad WandaVision article on the episode with Adam Friedland, but we just never got to it. And then, lo and behold, I wait a week, and there's like three even worse articles written about WandaVision. But I mean, I want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, getting context. back to writing, Matt. There's something you said. Uh, <laughs> something you said earlier today uh, when you were just chatting about like setting up the show or whatever. You said, um, "If all politics is dead, then all we have left are manners." And it's like yep. it's 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 this it's this weird moment. And I think like like these like like our our like our this, this culture war mentality we're in right now is is evidence of that because like what is culture war if not just a contest over what kind of manners people are allowed to have in public? And it, it just seems to be like right, just yeah, mm-hmm. because, yeah, things without consequence. 
I mean, we were talking about like I, I was looking forward to the Biden presidency because I thought it had potential to be just as, if not more funny than the Trump presidency. But we sort of been wrong about that because we've been underestimating just how much they're hiding Biden and how much like just just how how precious few opportunities there are for him to talk about Aunt Gertie and shit like that. And another thing I got to say I was wrong about is this idea that I was expecting like if if Biden became president and Trump was out of there. Like everyone would just sort of like like the, this culture warrior like shit would just sort of like the sort of melt away a little bit because I thought, you know, most liberals don't really give a shit about this stuff to begin with. And it's only useful to them like as a as a cudgel in a political contest against the right. But if anything, the, like the the level of hysteria that exists um, around shit like superhero movies and cartoons and bullshit like that shit that you see every day, like on, if you're online or whatever, has only has gotten into an even more frothing boil. Because I think in the absence of like, you know, people like when, when they come face up to against the fact that like there, there is nothing that like the Democratic Party or Biden is going to do to like deliver on your behalf or like solve any of these problems through politics. All that's left is culture war. And I mean that for both Republicans and Democrats. I mean, like the, the Republican Party has nothing to say to anyone except other than like, oh, they're trying to take Dr. Seuss away from you. Mm-hmm. And it's just as true for the Democrats. It's just like all yeah. we have is this hysterical frothing fucking ongoing just people are winding themselves up tighter and tighter and tighter about manners essentially i think that's that's what culture war stuff is about and placing even more emphasis on these cultural products as a means to like as a way to achieve things that politics not just can't do anymore but like don't exi- don't exist at all to uh, fulfill that function yeah and so i so i just in light of that like this is the first article here this is, this is also in the Washington Post. This is an opinion piece. It says, America is incredibly divided. Superheroes can teach us how to come together again. And it's just mm-hmm. like, even if you believe that's true, it's just like, like why are we placing, like, why, why do they need this responsibility? Like, you, I mean, I guess you can read into the, the, this moment in culture and try to, like, pick out certain things that you think are optimistic. But, like, doesn't it, doesn't it, isn't it just a really bad sign that we're just like, oh, like, I, I know America seems more divided than ever, but you know what? Uh, Justice League could could you know what? way out of that. Uh, it it may seem like uh, we're doomed uh, to be annihilated by uh, our own uh, inherent uh, flaws uh, that can, we cannot overcome within the system that we've created. But maybe a supernatural, super powered force will emerge. <laughs> yeah, to rescue us <laughs> from certain doom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and- literally like. like you're saying I want to, I want them to fulfill the fantasy that they fulfill in the movies. Uh, so I'm just going to save us. I'm jumping ahead, like the middle of the article here, but it says, um, but when you see a godlike alien cooperating with heroes out of fables and Greek myths, okay, I'm just going to pause right there because oh boy. it is one of my like least favorite little like canards that I've seen pop up more and more over the last like you know year or months, especially as the Zack Snyder Justice League movie comes out is people defending superhero movies with the line that you don't understand. Superheroes are modern mythology. And it's, it, this is just like Apollo and Zeus, but for America in the 21st century. And I'm like, it, it just it, when I hear that, it, just, it's, it feels like sandpaper being rubbed against my face. Because not well, only is it thing- not true, yeah. but it, it's, just, it, it's, it's just such a transparent attempt to imbue some kind of like cultural or historical value to, 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 you know, to pop culture trash. And I'm not even I'm not even opposed to pop culture trash, but it just it becomes grating when it has to be like given this importance that it's not warranted. 
Well, that's the thing is that people say, oh, you know, it's just like uh, the ancient Greek myths. It's, you know, ancient Greek culture wasn't just talking about what Hercules did all, like, all day long. <laughs> yeah, like, they had other that. shit going yeah, on. Like there were fucking too. like Sophocles and Aristophanes and shit. It was not all, hey, remember the time that uh, the, uh, he fucking really, he, he fucking cleared out a stable really fast? It wasn't just them recounting the stories over and over again. If we're going to do this dumb shit, like, actually, the Dark Souls games have a better claim on Fables. <laughs> like, a, m- a million times more. Like, I, during our entire Biden conversation, I was thinking about how much it relates to Dark Souls. Whereas, <laughs> uh, for uh, listeners of no, the show, like, listen to this all, show, all, take, take close attention. This is Felix's interest of the week. We'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> I mean, we're on week three of this. Okay, episode, all right. So, so it's fairly forecast is good. Until quarter three. And I think the thing we're getting into of fall of 2021, Komodo dragons. <laughs> I think we're going to get really into Komodo dragon conservation and awareness. Uh, but, like, yeah, the messages in, in, like, the adventures and shit is, like, it's good to love your friends. <laughs> like, yeah, friendship is good. The fuck is, it's all Barney. Everyone just watches Barney now, which is fine. Like, if you like watching Barney, that's fine. Just how, like, comic books used to be, like, it was for the guy at your job who always smelled like cum. Yeah. And, like, yeah, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. But, like, it's like if everyone watched Barney and was like, this is, act- this is actually the best thing ever written. And you're, you're racist if you don't watch Barney. <laughs> yep. Yep, you're actually right. Yep. So uh, when you see a godlike alien cooperating with heroes out of fables and Greek myths, you might not find it so hard to imagine more productive collaborations in the real world. These teams don't just bring everybody together to work for the common good. They also make room for people from vastly different cultures and experiences, and they triumph when members learn to respect each other's abilities and perspectives. What are groups such as the Justice League or the Avengers, but non-governmental organization with more capes and fewer acronyms? <laughs> oh, my. No, now more than ever, we need stories. No, they're about- not. By the way, no, they are not. <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D., for example, is literally a government agency. This is the they most. Are adject- they are paramilitaries of the U.S. empire. This is the most ideological Which, thing. Which, of course, I've... is also what NGOs are, but yes, the ideology. This is the most ideological thing I've ever, like, <laughs> human rights watch are the Avengers. Like, holy shit. I'm fucking short-circuiting. That's incredible. That's like, this is like, this is like a liberal Hadith. Yes. This is amazing. Yeah, and you know what? That's honestly uh, one of the few useful things about the Marvel movies because they are just such hegemonic trek, but they at least are fairly uh, straightforward in saying that, yeah, superheroes, if they existed, would be part of the state apparatus, that there is no, like super the, the DC fantasy of Superman and those guys is that there is some sort of authority and power beyond even the state. You know, like it is, and it and it things like justice mean something to it. Whereas the Marvel movies tell you pretty outright, no, no, there's just America, and then we are people who have like the most technology to fight on behalf of America. So it goes here uh, now more than ever. We need okay, that's that's another little trope. When I, when I now more than ever we need whenever I hear that thing in any piece of cultural criticism, it's just it's it's like oh god, it's just like it's like a caustic, it's like a chemical burn on my skin. Yeah, yeah that's mm. like yeah, that's one of those rhetorical tricks that only works on Homer Simpson. <laughs> so he goes, 
uh, yeah, now more than ever, we need stories about larger-than-life people who are concerned with founding something altruistic that will outlast them. You know what's amazing about this? You could write this article about Family Guy. (laughs) (laughs) I have. Thank you very much. You could be like, listen, we're all there. We have Peter. He has a good heart, but he can be bigoted sometimes and small-minded. We're Meg. Everyone hates us, but we're also a part of the family. The baby is a gay genius, and that's part of America. (laughs) He works for the government. Everyone has that that guy in their neighborhood who jacks off a lot. Jeffrey Fiekelman, that's China. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing. Just the last two paragraphs I want to read from this. Uh, The goal of all this team building? To establish something that can outlast changes of membership and the occasional apocalypse. An organization that is bigger than any one member. In an age when multinational cooperation is on the wane and trust in public institutions at a low ebb, watching superheroes invest in creating a shared symbol can be downright inspiring. This, it, Matt, like this is exactly what you said. She, she, like this person is they they want like the the the, the fictional function of superheroes to be performed by superhero movies yep. in the real world. Yep. Well, because that's the liberal <laughs> concept. That's the liberal idealism. It is. There is there can be no political uh, power exerted. You're you're alienating your power away to this structure. Things change because people's ideas, the people who govern the structures, ch- ideas are changed and things like culture change them. And so the only hope for the future is a literal superheroic intervention where enough of us watch these movies that we all are transformed internally to behave differently. And that literally is the only redemption there can be within this system. That is the only redemption liberalism can provide is the function of no, Matt, a fucking superhero. And Matt, I was actually I was thinking also too. Um, I mean, again, this may be like tangentially related to my to my ongoing gripes with uh, cultural criticism and superheroes in general. But um, something you said the other day, um, again, just in one just in an unrelated conversation, where you talked about how. American like like the dominant ethos of like American liberalism is self-restraint in the service of mastery over other people and the dominant right. strain of yes. conservatism is the complete freedom from self-restraint in service of mastery over other people. Yes. And it's it just all about, about like, how you justify the, the stick, you know, the mastery. Yeah, which, it's all about how you justify the mastery. For the liberal, it is one's self uh restraint that gives one license to control others. Yes, it's it. That's the proof of it's virtue. It used to be that you were one of God's chosen. And now it is that you are you have the correct virtues to order society correctly. And that's why you should have power. Whereas for the conservative, having power is the justification for having power because it gives you the ability to assert authority through compulsion. And it's it's honestly, it boils down to your relationship to capitalism. Whether you're related to finance and 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 uh, and trade and 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 money, or to direct exploitation of land resources, which is why we're now in this like fourth uh, century of war between like American land-based money and uh, finance money, and that went from the Civil War to the Progressive Era, and now into this fucking idiot culture war we're in. I mean, yeah, like it just. Like, like I just said, like I like to introduce this topic. Like I said, it's just like it's a feature of our culture, which is now really synonymous with politics because it just seems like uh, politics as a thing that can intervene in the lives of people or provide like a a, a motivation to organize large numbers of people, like the mass politics that Adam Curtis talks about in his genera- in his documentaries, is 
is gone now as a model for like what politics is. And it just seems like, and we've talked about this before that it's it just like what's being replaced with is culture as politics. And like, that's the terrain yes. in which people can compete with one another to sort of like have some sort of a uh, metric by which to judge like who's in charge or who's winning and losing in, in our, our politics, culture, whatever. And like what, what it really does is mean that like we don't have a culture anymore. We like, we don't have a, this is the death of culture. And I really, yes. I'm sorry that it's such a cliche, but like, I, how can you not associate superhero movies and superhero culture with this phenomenon that I'm talking about? And also yeah, with, wa- just, they want you to love the bomb. They want you to love the pillow smothering your fucking frontal lobe. And, you know, and it's hard and it's also it's hard to separate from me from, like I said, like in 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 the climate of like cultural criticism and the way which which we consume and like talk about art in our culture and just everything in general, like like entertainment of any kind is been worked up into this fever pitch of like this sort of neo-Victorian moment of like it's just this mutated form of kind of like old American Anglo Puritanism and 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 protestantism but that it's reasserting itself in this like ever more fever pitch in the way people uh, argue about or have to like have to consume or have to like th- this mm-hmm. absolute dog shit this this drivel for babies which is what we're talking yeah. about here it's, and it's the clo- it's the closest thing to church is going and experiencing these fucking mega culture moments that affirm a value that you are you now uh, represent by having witnessed it and, but also it's about like the people who aren't taking part in this phenomenon are also like suspect. And I don't mean like, I don't mean superhero movies like specifically. I just mean like there's this whole, this whole thing about people like you demonstrate that you're in by, uh, you know, like I said, performing for lack of a better word, like the, these certain kinds of uh, cultural tropes. And if you're not doing that, then like that, or if you're just simply like you, you could be doing the opposite and being like, oh, I'm, I'm for freedom of speech and I'm against all this like woke cancel culture stuff. But if you're simply not doing anything, that also marks you as sort of suspect. It marks you as sort of like outside the body. And like it's just sort of like any influence culturally or artistically otherwise that comes from that needs to be sort of quarantined and purged. Um, so speaking of things I'd like to see purged from the culture, let's talk about WandaVision. Because I, I, <laughs> I, I, I have two articles about WandaVision that I think, I, I think you know, I think basically are, are, I hopefully will illustrate more clearly what, what I'm trying to articulate here. And I think this should be a good warning right now. Uh, if you're concerned about any WandaVision spoilers, I would recommend that you turn off the podcast right now, then unsubscribe from the podcast, then never <laughs> listen to the podcast ever again, and just simply learn life. Just learn yeah, no, life. Yeah, it's time for you to take up some grim truths in Romania. <laughs> you need an email list. You need, you need to start generating passive income. <laughs> yeah, you need passive income. You need to do 12 hours of sparring a day, which is good for your brain and prevents COVID. And yeah, no, I don't think you've ever learned a grim truth in your life. All right. Well, okay. So I'm just facing some grim truths. Uh, this, yeah. this is the first one. There's an article in Salon.com by uh, Melanie McFarlane. And uh, it says here the headline is, WandaVision concludes by giving Martin Scorsese the MCU film he always wanted. I just like, yeah, like he didn't want any of it. He didn't want he one. Didn't want he, it. Like, he was not going, you know what I want? I want a good Marvel movie. He didn't want one at all. He's I like, make how, other movies that aren't like that. I love how their thing with Scorsese is like, oh, who gives a fuck what he says? And then just like everything after he made just like a passing comment about how he doesn't like these movies, people are like, oh, yeah. Check this out, you fucking old piece of shit. <laughs> this episode of Barney is 
exactly what's good about your movies that well, I hate. That, that's what, that's what, Matt, that's what you were talking about earlier. Is like, it's not enough that like all this shit exists and is like so hegemonically saturated our culture. It's like they, like the, the people who are investing in it can't stand anyone else not being also like affirming yep. that like this is yeah. good. Yep. This is good. Yep. We all like this because deep down inside they know it's shit. They, they know, know it's it fucking junk food for their they brain. They know it sucks, and then, the, but the thing is, it sucks, and yet I, it's still here. It's I watch it. It doesn't do what I want it to do. I want it to make everybody nice. I want it to make everything better, but it won't do it. Could it be a problem with it? No, because I can't conceive of a world where that thing is not part of my integral conception of myself. It's everybody else. It's everyone else's fault who does not appreciate it like I did. And, yeah. so, and so even though your whole idea hinges on this thing working on people whether they want it to or not you have to second yourself to the battle of badgering other people but really all you're doing trying really trying to do is convince yourself and you're arguing against the things you know are true but can't admit well i we were talking about culture war earlier and culture war is interesting from a political or like political media especially perspective because it's one of those wars where no side wants to win yeah. No, God no. You, you know, no yeah, winning yeah, isn't the you, point. Fighting is the point. Right, fighting is the point. You sell more of everything by fighting it. You don't it's actually the, it's the want the dynamo. Win. It moves the thing. Right, right. You don't actually want things like Dr. Seuss being canceled or whatever to stop happening. You want that to keep happening because that keeps the whole thing going. Yes. It's why our modern wars never end. It's the same basic reasoning. But the one area where you do want to win a culture war is if you're Disney. Mm-hmm. Because there's money at stake. Because it's like, oh, yeah, that's total dominance of the marketplace. It's different for us. We can own the entire marketplace. No one can own the entire marketplace in politics in America. By definition, then it's not politics anymore. Right. But yeah. in but in media, you can. Disney yeah. practically does. Thanks to politics. But if there's any real victor of the culture war in the past 20 years, it's these fucking assholes. Oh, absolutely. The they consolidators, have- the monopolizers everywhere are winning while everyone else just keeps fighting. But it's not enough for them to have won. You have to like it. You don't just have to like it. You have to. You have to. You know, see see how uh, you know whatever fucking you know micro targeted media property relates to you is like uh, a, 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 a half Jewish person who like oh, only recently learned how to masturbate at age twenty four. <laughs> so wait, Felix, whatever, Felix like, there is media out there for me. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. It's for you, for me, for all of us. It's how we met each other. Is we're all that thing. Um, but it's yeah. It's not enough. It's a constant like dance in the end zone where they're also flopping. It, yes. They won, but there it, there's a constant wounded act. Like the perfect, the perfect example the of that validation the perfect example is like when our friend jesse hawkins spent like two weeks just winding up like this the the snyder cut fan community and i I had to learn the phrase the snyder cut community and he was just doing an obvious bit about how he doesn't want his kids seeing batman say the f word and for like weeks (laughs) for weeks he had these cretins just like being like Jesse Hawkins is trying to take away the Snyder Cut from us. You haven't even seen it yet, and you're trying to destroy it. And it's like, you won this totally unnecessary movie. Yeah, but it's going to suck, and they know it. It, Even if they love it, it will not be what it needs to be for the amount of attention they've put into it. There is no movie that could be what they need it to be after spending all those months and years talking about it. 
There's nothing that could hold up to that. So by definition, the experience of watching it will be disappointing. And they will have to be able to put some name to that disappointment. And it's going to be all the people who didn't take it seriously or were biased against them because of Disney or because of wokeness or whatever. They have to put it on someone else because they cannot confront the fundamental fact that what they uh, that their life is uh, uh, oriented around bullshit. I, I have been... Um a fan of several like kind of niche cultures or not necessarily super niche, but definitely like outside at their time of like, of mainstream coverage. And, you know, if you got a hundred people in a room, you probably wouldn't get 10 of them who liked this thing at the time. Like for, for this instance, we'll use MMA MMA. When I first started watching it and when I got really obsessed with it, it was not a huge thing. It definitely had a very loyal fan base in the United States that could sustain it, that could make the owners of the biggest promotions tons of money. And it was definitely like an active subculture, but it wasn't, it was less popular than it would uh, grow to become. And the thing I always noticed with this was this was, I don't think MMA has ever been better than this period. And this isn't just nostalgia. The quality of the fights were often better. It just, it was a better sport for a lot of reasons that I've talked about before. But, there was this constant insecurity with fans of not getting the same respect as like basketball or football or whatever. And it was always bizarre to me because it's like, who gives a shit? How would that impact your enjoyment of this at all? But that insecurity went on to be one of the forces that destroyed the sport because it, 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 it caused it to shave things away. It caused it to be standardized in a way that in their attempts to make it like any other sport stripped it of many of its outside marginal qualities that made the fights better. Um, this is this, you know, whether it's Zack Snyder or Marvel or fucking WandaVision or whatever, same thing. It's, this is already baked into it. Like the way of making it mainstream is already baked into it because it was built by a robot. It was yes. built by an algorithm. They know exactly how to take this thing that used to be, you know, like the, like MMA, a very profitable, active subculture in comic books and build it into something that everyone, like everyone from like the 53-year-old mother of two in your office to like your 14-year-old brother watch. They're all, they all get excited for it. But they still have this attitude of, a sub, of an insecure subculture, which is insane to me given the amount of money and viewership on all this shit. But there, there's a there's a political element to this as well and that I want to get into. And it's this idea that like making fun of these these gigantic corporate products or like or even or being critical of them is like as I alluded to earlier it's like is currently it's interpreted as like evidence of betraying some kind of like crypto fascist or reactionary belief inside yourself that like you that you don't take one division seriously because it's like about a modern complicated woman and not not uh, a, a sleazy Italian criminal. Yeah, well, I mean, this is something I love. I, I am fascinated by the Snyder people. I find them way more interesting than the Marvel people. With the mm-hmm. Marvel people, like the rabid Marvel people, like everyone's a Marvel person now, but like a rabid, like they pretend to be the characters on Twitter. I mean, that level of involvement. And yeah. there are a lot of those people. Uh, the, what makes them so uh, unsympathetic is because they have won more than anybody. Because right. Marvel it, is yeah. the whole the whole thing. Like the Marvel is the is the. I mean, it's Disney. It's Marvel. It's the it's the it's right. the victorious side. Uh, the Snyder people are sort of. I mean, obviously within the greater firmament, 
as as superhero idiots, they are uh, triumphant. But within their the thing they care about, the battle over like uh, aesthetic hegemony, they're losers. So they have right. a chip on their shoulder, right? So that, that actually that's a, exists, right? So that's what I was going to say is that with the Marvel people, I don't. Well, I don't really get mad at any of these people individually because it's like, oh, everyone's just mentally ill from the past yeah. like ten years or so. Yeah, no, it's it's coping you, mechanisms. I don't think opium. you should get personally mad at anyone for a bad post. It's like everyone's just going fucking crazy. Yeah. You can make fun of it, but yeah, I don't think you should get mad at it. But for the Snyder people, they're interesting to me because they give me an insight into what the future will be. Because Zack Snyder, no matter what you do to him, he's a white guy, right? Who oh, makes, yeah. Who made 300 and all this shit. There's not a lot you can dress him up in. You know? Yeah. His last name's Snyder. He's another just American fucking crowd or whatever he is. Um, he's a crowd from Green Bay, I believe. Wow. Uh, but you uh when you like criticize him i've seen like a lot of my friends like just get screamed at by snyder people they they have like the external trappings of if you just saw it in the side of your eye passing by you would think it's like you know really woke people yelling at you over something like you made a joke about suicide or something or fucking whatever but they're using all this like marginalized platform deep platform language at the behest of just a director they like, and it's completely removed from politics. And I, I realized everyone kind of does that now. Everyone is the the triggered antagonist in like a Ben Shapiro confronts yeah. college student video. Mm-hmm. And Trump people are like that. Like you know, like we talked about where it's like we need to you need to let us heal after we lost. You're invalidating, blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It just everyone whether like i the snyder people seem mostly apolitical they probably lean democrat because that's what happens with media hyper consumers but even that will polarize yeah and everyone regardless of their politics regardless of whether they're like you know fuck cancel culture or like they're uh, just equally moronic like cancel culture isn't real and it's good like Mm -hmm. type thing yeah they're all gonna talk like that way because the only thing we'll have left the boomers get the dying light. They get Joe Biden. They get the they get Joe Biden linking himself with the fire and the kiln of humanity. And, <laughs> yes, and, and they get to die with him, happy, happy, mm-hmm. thinking the fire went on forever, even though it's being reduced to embers. But the younger people, Gen X and younger, all they can do is just portray weakness to each other to get sympathy, because hollow sympathy is the only thing left. <laughs> and in one of our futures. Everyone will talk that way from the guy from the white kid who calls you the N word on Xbox live to, you know, the most triggered college student in the country. Everyone will be like that. But uh, this next piece, Felix, this gets to what you were talking about, how but everyone just wants to cultivate a, a sort of righteous self pity in other people, you know, and uh, this one is oh, about yeah. how WandaVision remite rewrite. WandaVision rewrites the myths of surviving trauma. Oh, boy. And it goes here. My uh, favorite topics, Disney, <laughs> Disney properties and trauma. Bring it here. They just, I'm just I'm jumping in the middle here. It says, they just committed to their love for each other when Wanda was forced to sacrifice him to save the universe from Thanos, only to helplessly watch as the mad titan brutally tore the mind stone from Vision's skull anyway. This is so fucking <laughs> stupid. This is so fucking <laughs> stupid, dude. Nearly, like, oh, the big purple guy who hates the world. Me, but <laughs> yes. These characters have uh, names 
and and I have an emotional relationship to them. I mean, I like okay, everything's stupid. Like I, everyone here has like cried to media, or, like felt an intense attachment to something that's stupid. We all have, but it's like, man, this shit's really fucking stupid. And what oh, makes the, it stupider? The, the, the purple, the purple guy who hates half the world killed my. <laughs> but husband. what makes it, no? What makes it? What makes it worse than just being stupid in a way that, like, I think all normal people should be able to relate to? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I have plenty of like dorky cultural interests or things that I care about, probably to an absurd degree, or at least ones that strains, you know, rationality or my other otherwise developed critical faculties. But what makes it like beyond stupid into like actually kind of offensive? Is the need to shoe in to shoehorn in like actually like real world problems like you know you know poverty or people experiencing like grief and trauma into this bullshit where it's just like like no like like so I'm just gonna read here it says uh, in a socio political climate shaped by movements like the Women's March and Me Too trauma survivors deserve nuanced portrayals in the media that humanize us not to reduce us to cruel caricatures. WandaVision subverts this trope by confronting rather than ignoring the complex and debilitating effects of severe repeated trauma. As a TV series, the show affords Wanda the opportunity to move through the entire reality of her trauma, ultimately transmuting her loss to further her personal growth and sense of self. Wanda meets her matches in Monica Rambeau and Agatha Harkness, who both catalyze her inevitable confrontation with her trauma. A precursor to her forthcoming appearance in Captain Marvel 2, Monica's arc deliberately echoes Wanda's having returned after the blip only having returned after the blip only to discover that her mother had passed away years prior. I love that this article just like it's about oh it's about how it's showing how survivors of of, of trauma, you know, are, are nuanced and complicated people. As you will they will continue to be nuanced and complicated in next summer's Captain Marvel 2 coming soon. So <laughs> The brothers Karamazov too. More brothers. <laughs> the idiot. He really screwed up this time. <laughs> war and peace and war again. <laughs> and it goes here. Uh, unfortunately, Marvel's choice to whitewash the Maximoffs undermines the effectiveness of the relationship between Monica, Wanda uh. and Monica, a black woman, making it hard to ignore the misogynoir underlying their interactions. Monica is positioned as <laughs> Monica You're just, just oh just, my god! I mean, I'm imagining people like it's like those PMRC housewives in the 50s or in the 80s who would sit there listening to Wasp records and counting the swears, but they're doing this for things they ostensibly like. Yeah, that well, that's the most important thing is to hold things accountable. You got to hold things accountable, even yeah. things that you're just watching for fun. I don't you think have it's to all, hold I it don't, accountable. Yeah, I don't think it's all right that uh, halfway through the Adventures Ultimatum uh, Apocalypse Endgame that um, there's an extended scene where Thanos uh, put on a yarmulke and was like, <laughs> I'm doing this. I'm doing all this evil purple shit because I'm Jewish. <laughs> Didn't think that was okay. Um, what, but- I, what I like about these articles, though, is that like most of them are just basically like in a fifth grade book report style, just reciting the events that happened on WandaVision. And not having, like I said, I watched the first episode of the show, but not having seen largely like any of this, so I have no idea what they're talking about. And then reading them describe events happening where, like, after she returned from the blip and the Mind Stone had changed the purple guy into a, into a uh, robot villain. Uh, um, and then, like, like, shoot, like I said, like, but, like, in the context of talking about, like, survivors of trauma, it is, it just, it adds, like, a really, just another layer to this where it's like, uh, so he goes on to describe it here. 
Monica is positioned as Wanda's peer and punching bag, despite being in the midst of grieving a loved one herself. Wanda never wounds Monica's body, but she is aggressive towards her as a sword agent in a way that she wasn't with her actual antagonist, director Tyler Haywood. It isn't until their confrontation in breaking the fourth wall that Wanda actually hears Monica, allowing her to break through her wall of denial and projection. I can't control this pain anymore, and I don't think I want to, because it's my truth, Monica says, in an attempt to reason with her, which seems to resonate, before, resonate with her before Agatha interferes. I, just, I love that they're putting all this like psycho babble in between what is just basically... A, it's like when a kid describes to you a show they really like that you've never seen, and they just talk to you like you know everything about it. And they just say, and then, and then, and then Agatha comes, and then and Agatha's trapped in, in the mind realm as the nosy neighbor. You know, the, 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 the way they treat, treat this stuff is actually, it is really kind of quasi-religious because the assumption built into any argument about the emotional resonance of any uh, Marvel product bakes into it that you've seen all the other Marvel products. Like in isolation, you cannot argue that these things have anything like the thematic weight you're claiming. And none of them will, would even, they would admit that, I think, if you told them. They'd be like, no, you have to have an investment in this. That means you have to have like a religious fucking faith in these, this dog shit to transcend the fact that this is not, this art cannot be giving you the emotional responses you think it is. You're literally de- deceiving yourself because it's the only thing you think you can relate to because you have an impoverished cultural uh, diet because this is all you get. We all live in a cultural food desert. It wasn't just Wanda's sweatsuit morphing into a modernized version of her iconic costume that set up a chorus of that sent up a chorus of cheers from viewers streaming the finale in the early hours of March. I Man. know I had that. <laughs> I had that chorus of cheers. A WandaVision fully human. It was like the clapping for carers. Some at March fifth, it's five o'clock. Everyone <laughs> went, Yay! It's WandaVision's sweatsuit is morphed back into a modern version of her iconic costume. Her iconic costume. Oh, by the way, Scar- Scarlet, by the way Scarlet Witch was like one of the most D-list characters in the Marvel. I don't know anyone who's ever fucking given a shit. And about- she's probably spent like in the she's been in the movies probably like a combined 45 minutes. Less than that. Like and way less like than this that. This person. It's like we're so, all of this. By the way, all this stuff about her relationship with Vision that we're supposed to feel. It literally boils down in the in the text, like not what they're bringing to the text because of their whatever they're telling themselves, but in the actual text of these movies, the entire architecture of this relationship that they build a whole show about, where they're going to explore grief and it's the way it works through your life, is a two minute scene where they're like strolling on a cobblestone street in London and vision like looks like Paul Bettany before an ogre attacks them. It's like, (laughs) it's they're like, "Uh, I don't know if we could be together. And he's like, I know I could be with you because I love you. Well, oh, there's some gremlins. And then they fight them. And that's what the whole thing is based on. This is an established art is supposed to make you feel by like creating characters like real ones and relationships so that you can have an emotional investment in them. If you're just watching these movies, that's why you're supposed to care about this entire show. So it goes here. Um, she outright defies the myth that survivors are only stronger because of their pain or forever broken by it. With the MCU set to explore its own multiverse, its first limited series offers fans a less fatalistic reality to its grim source material. The show succeeds where stories like House of M fall short. Rather than be resigned to a life of loss and doom, Wanda chooses to save herself from being consumed by her powers. She faces her truth and takes responsibility for the pain she caused by committing herself to understanding 
her powers. Since her first appearance on the big screen, Wanda Maximoff has been portrayed as a deeply caring person trying to do the right thing, driven by her strong desire to love and be loved, even after relentless no, heartbreak. not at all. The events of WandaVision affirm that she's been powerful and strong on her own all along. But just like any human being needs to be held and supported in times of vulnerability, the success of WandaVision proves that as the MCU heads into this new era, it can only benefit from extending this type of nuanced humanistic storytelling to its more marginalized characters as well. And uh, like, this, oh, that's what you man. said at the beginning, Matt, where it's like, it's like every, it's just, everyone assumes that, like, that we're all, we all feel like, like powerless or traumatized to varying degrees, certainly by like the last year, or just like you said, like just, just alienated and feeling like that we have no yeah, power over our world. And I think like that, that that's, that's the, what makes these superhero products so narcotic is that like, we're just waiting to be imbued. Like we, we, this fantasy of having a power, having powers to like shape reality or to, to be invulnerable to harm. And it's just like, well, we're all like, you know, naked and afraid. Basically we're all like squealing little mole rats, but this idea that like we can overcome our trauma or deal with it or like build something productive out of it through these fantasies of having unlimited godlike power ourselves, I think is um, psychologically um, a little bit iffy. Also, did you notice how even in this show that she's like praising to the heavens, uh, there still has to be that critique that uh, that they they othered. Uh, Wanda's character because she's not a, like a gypsy like she is in the comic books. Did you that part? <laughs> and so, and then now, how like the the now and and of course, like there's uh one of the bad characters I guess is black, so that means that there's misogynoir in having them be an, a, a a bad character, and that the further work has to be done to like uh humanize them. It like that that is where the engine the little engine is keep spinning is like even within the thing that i'm enjoying in my enjoying of it uh i lose it it doesn't give me what i want so why cuz there's something wrong with it cuz there's there's a, it's not quite woke enough in the in the specific way to make the culture perfect and if i can just pull on that thread it's going to make everything okay. But really, in reality, you're making that up to have something to talk about, about a thing that is not worth talking about. But, but, like, but also, like, it's offensive because it's in, the, it's in this framework of, like, like, this is, like, a legitimate way to deal with psychological problems that you're having. Yeah. You know, like, it's just that, like, if only we had better, more humanized portrayals of people going through a rough time than, like, right, yes. the rest well, of us it. as yeah, we're, like, we dealing felt, with this shit. If, like, we, yeah. if we didn't other each other, then we would build institutions to allow people to live with dignity. Well, we're not doing if that. If we got it so. from TV and movies. And that's <laughs> the only place we get that. We don't actually, you know, build power in our lives because that's impossible. We can only all hope that we just reach a, a phase shift in consciousness thanks to TV. But the TV is all garbage created to make you watch more of it. So it cannot do the thing you want it to do. Well, there we go. That's, uh, that's just, I mean, just, just a, few, a, a few thoughts, a few articles on WandaVision. And By the way, guys, we are watching the Snyder Cut, though, right? Yeah, I definitely. Mean, obviously. I mean, we have to. Of course. Go. We have to. We got to. Uh, I really don't want to, but yeah, we have to. <laughs> oh man, I don't know how Felix is going to get through four this hours, topic. baby. This it's, thing it's, is long. It's, long, it's, I, long it, it's twenty minutes longer than The Irishman. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to kill myself. Uh, <laughs> I, Felix, well, no. I 
There's trauma. You'll deal with your trauma by watching WandaVision. Yeah, you got to confront your trauma. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All the characters had their houses burned down when they were four. <laughs> yep. This movie really spoke to me. I, I, well, maybe I can get killed by a Snyder person during it. Like, I yes. started talking about how much I hate it, and one of them comes to my house with a gun. Yes, perfect. All right. Well, I think that uh, just about wraps it up for today. Gentlemen. Yeah. Once again, it's uh, let's go next time. On the, we'll be on the other end of the Snyder cut. We'll right. be different people. We'll, we'll be, be sh- different, different that, people. That thing's chewing us up and spitting us out. I can't I, believe it, dude. <laughs> I expect God, to. Uh, I I kind of expect to have transubstantiated forms at the end of it. I think it might be. A, it might be a big moment. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I. Uh, can I like do it in a hospital? <laughs> yeah, you'll be on IV <laughs> fluids and shit. Yeah, yeah. Just, 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 yeah, just like your 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 veins just get replaced with Valium. Just, yeah, just like a like a, a Nile River of fucking Valium just being pumped. Into yeah, the circulatory system. Could get some of that nice Jello. Not retain any thoughts. That's what I want. But no, I'm gonna have to watch all this. God, that's. Not good. All right, guys. Talk bye-bye. to you soon. Bye bye. We're gonna have a TV party tonight. Alright! We're gonna have a TV party, alright!